I have been going through some stuff, y'all. Anybody relate to that? Like, it's been a, a difficult season. It's been a, a difficult month. It's been a difficult year. It's been a difficult year and a half. Come on. COVID just keeps going and going and going. And we thought it was going to end, and, and it just keeps going. And it's been a really challenging time. And so I just want you to know today that I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to anybody else in the room today. And how many of you are thankful that we can find encouragement in God's word? Come on. We, we have a source of strength that is greater than ourselves. And so we want to tap into that source today. And we want to look in God's word. We're going to be reading in the book of Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screen today. Mark chapter 4. Verses 35 through 41 is where we're going to begin today. Mark 4, 35 through 41 says, That day, come on, say that day. That day day when evening came, he said to his disciples, talking about Jesus, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Come on, some of you all have never identified more with Jesus than right now. He's napping. He's napping in the back. The storm is raging, and it says, The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Come on, how many of you think that's a powerful image? He gets up. He he doesn't even wipe the sleep from his eyes. He just quiets the wind and the waves. And it says the wind died down, and it was completely calm. How many of you know the atmosphere changed in that moment? And it says he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid. Do you still have no faith? The title of today's message is The Lessons of the Storm. The Lessons of the Storm. Let's pray as we get into God's Word together today. Lord, we thank you for your Word. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place today. And God, we thank you that that you still have authority over the, the winds and the waves in our lives that you are able to calm the storms raging around us and even inside of us. And Lord, today we just, we we confess that, that we need you to do that, that we're relying on you, that we're trusting in you as we face the storms of this life. And God, today I pray that you would meet us in a special way. God, that your presence would just fall on this place as, as we look into your word. God, let it change our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have a question as we get started here today. The question that I want to ask is, how many of y'all evacuated last month when the storm was coming? Come on, show of hands, show of hands. All right, all right. No judgment either way, just trying to read the room. Looked like about half. And uh, so that, that tells me that the other half, you stayed. Okay, great, awesome. If, if you stayed, I just want to commend you for staying. But look, I've got three kids, and they're 12, 10, and 6. And so if I know my power is going out, come on, somebody, parents. If I know my power is going out for a while, which we know the power is going to go out when the storm comes, 
Like, I've got to go because there will be chaos inside my home when the power is out, right? Three boys, very active. And so we evacuated, and, and we were looking at different places that we could go, and, and we, we chose to go to Dallas. It was kind of our second or third choice. Um, but hotels were booked up, and so we decided we were going to go to Dallas. And what should be, according to Google Maps, about a seven-hour, 20-minute drive, come on, was like an 11-and-a-half, 12-hour drive that day. It was the day before the storm hit. And so uh, our evacuation did not start off very well. We sat in traffic. We got detoured not once, not twice, three different times, detours because of accidents and things happening on the roadway. And then how many of you uh, would identify with this? Like if you evacuate and you still have power, any, any weather channel watchers when the storm's coming? Okay, a few of us. Look, I don't recommend it, okay? I don't recommend that you watch the weather channel because it only, at least for me, it just created like more anxiety in my heart. But the, the weird thing about it was I had to keep watching, right? I had to know what was happening. I had to know if Jim Cantor was going to get blown away downtown. <laughs> I just kept watching, but, but I felt the anxiety rising in my heart as I'm thinking about the city that I love and the people that I love that are still here and, and the damage and the wreckage that was, that was coming from the storm. And how many of you know, like, this storm just felt different, right? My, my family, we've been here 10 years. We weren't here for Katrina but we've, we've been through a few hurricanes, and this one just had a different feel. And so there was anxiety from that. And then we, we heard the words catastrophic electrical outage. Like, I've never even heard of that. What's that even mean? And they're talking about, like, it's going to be a month or longer before power comes back. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know what? I'm not taking my kids back until we get some power or someplace to go. So at that point, three days in Dallas, we decide, well, we, we don't want to pay for a hotel for the next week or two weeks or however long. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Help me out. All right. All of y'all are in a better financial place than me, apparently. But I did not want to keep paying for a hotel. As a matter of fact, I didn't even pay for the hotel that we were in. My sister used her points. Side note. Um, so at that point, we are like, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And our family is in Illinois, in the Midwest, and we're like, well, looks like we're going to visit family, right? That's what it takes for us to visit family is a hurricane. <laughs> ah, hope they're not watching online, okay? Hope they're not watching. But last resort, we got no other choice. We're going to visit family. And so we go to southern Illinois, uh, my hometown. It's like we drove all day. I don't even know how many hours from Dallas. It was hours. And can I tell you? We drove through Oklahoma and Missouri. God bless Oklahoma and Missouri. Boring, okay? It was very boring. So we drove for what felt like 40 days and 40 nights, and we finally got to Illinois. And we're in Illinois for all of 24 hours. And uh, backstory: my wife had lost her sense of smell the previous week. Ooh, we all know what that means, right? So we, and while we were in Dallas, we all got COVID tested, my wife, my kids, all of us, all negative. Hey, victory moment in the evacuation. Two days later in Illinois, I start feeling sick. I, I wake up stuffy. I start feeling achy. Uh, I feel congested. And we're staying with a family member who would be considered high risk. So I go get tested again. Guess what? COVID positive. So a few days into the evacuation, we're hundreds of miles from home. 
test positive for COVID, and our family kicked us out. That's right. They, they said, you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. So understandable. We didn't want to get anyone sick. And so at that point, we're in southern Illinois. We're like, okay, any other family? Like, anybody, anyone? Like, remember, we're not trying to do the hotel thing, Airbnb, all that. So my wife's sister, God bless her, said, hey, we have, a, a, we just moved into this new home, three levels. You guys can stay downstairs, and, and you'll be able to kind of isolate in that space, okay? Now, are you wondering where they live? Five hours north in Wisconsin, okay? So now, some of you are like, is he going to preach today? I promise I'm getting there. I'm just trying to share my struggles this month a little bit, okay? Now, I can't even make this stuff up. It's crazy. So I'm COVID positive, and remember, if you're COVID positive, you're supposed to isolate, but somehow uh, you can't really isolate with four other people as you drive four or five hours north all together. And I'm like, well, sorry, guys. Hope you don't get sick, right? And so we get to Wisconsin finally, and they show me my accommodations in their basement. Uh, Laura and the boys were staying like next room over. I had my own private room. It was awesome. It had one window that was covered. You couldn't actually see out. Uh, I had an air mattress that would not stay inflated. I, I promise. And I had a, 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 like a reclining camping chair. Not like a real recliner, but like a camping recliner type chair. So that's what I had. And I had my computer. At least I could watch some Netflix and things like that. And so I began the painful process of isolation. Days upon days of isolation. And I, I actually was really sick during that time. Like uh, I was pretty much in bed for about the first week. Second week, I was still feeling like tired and sick. I feel good now. Come on, somebody. Yeah, come on. I feel good. But as, as I'm in isolation, you know, Laura and the boys, they're all kind of trying to have some kind of fun while we're in Wisconsin, as much fun as you can have in Wisconsin. Sorry, I just said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'm just kidding. I love every state. So they're out doing stuff, and like the first day there, Laura gets rear-ended. I promise, this story just keeps on going. It just keeps getting better. She gets rear-ended, so she's upset. She had her nephew and our youngest son with her, and, and so that was kind of, you know, a, a bad moment. And then um, a couple days later, she actually backed into somebody at, at, in a Tesla. So two accidents in like two and a half days, and she didn't even realize that she backed into him. She, she got a phone call from the police. They were like, uh, you got to come back because this is about to be a hit and run. She was terrified, right? So she, like, has two accidents in a couple days. And I'm like, hey, maybe you should just stay home a little bit. Like, maybe we don't drive too much. Then after that, not because of the accidents, but uh, uh, we had vehicle issues. Come on, anybody have vehicle issues ever? Well, we were 2,000-plus miles away from home, and we had, like, $2,000 worth of vehicle issues. Like, crazy. Like, they just kept trying to fix things, and they couldn't figure out what it was. And they tried this, and that didn't work, and they tried this, and that didn't work. And I was kind of like, dude, like, do y'all work on vehicles in Wisconsin? Like, I don't, I don't really understand why this is so hard. And so we, we were getting hit one after another. Come on, anybody ever been there? It, it's, it's been a little bit of a challenging month. And, and Laura and I, as we're in Wisconsin, and I'm sick, and we're having all these issues, and 
just trying to sort things out, she, she said to me, man, doesn't it just feel like we have like a black cloud overhead? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does, kind of does. And then, you know, we're, we're worried about what's happening here. We finally get home and, and we, we begin to see the, uh, the damage to our Bell Chase facility. And initially we, we had heard, ah, it might not be that bad. Looks like kind of, you know, some damage, but maybe not that bad. From the outside, that kind of looked like it was the case. But then when you went inside, you could see it's extensive water damage, extensive. And so um, over the last few weeks, we've had a mitigation company in there kind of tearing things out. And it's going to take time to rebuild. And, and that alone is hard. I know that's hard um, for our Bell Chase family. And um, it's just it's challenging, right? And I know some of you are dealing with that very thing in your home. And so all of that to say... Uh, it's just been a challenging month, candidly. And uh, I just feel like I'm not alone, and I want you to know you're not alone today. Hello, that, that we've, we've faced some challenges. Some of us are still walking through challenges today, but we're not alone. And, and more, more than that, God is with us. God, God sees the struggles that we're facing. And, and God, can I tell you today, God cares about the struggles that we're walking through. And so today, maybe you're here and you thought that, uh, man, I said yes to Jesus. Like, aren't things going to begin to get easy? Like, aren't they going to get easy now? Like, I'm, I'm following Jesus. Isn't it supposed to be better? Like, things, but, but it feels like actually things are, are kind of going the opposite way. They're getting harder. Or maybe you're here and you're dealing with damage to your home or to your business from the storm. Or you're dealing with difficult insurance people. Um, Look, we're, we're, we're walking through that as a church right now, the insurance ramifications and just walking through all of those issues. Or maybe you're just here today and you're like, my home's okay, not dealing with insurance, but I, I'm just stressed. Like my stress level is kind of at an all-time high. And things just seem like they're going from bad to worse. Well, the question that I, I want to pose today is, what, what do we do when we realize that the presence of Jesus does not guarantee the absence of storms. Come on. That, that even though Jesus is with us, even though we're walking with Jesus, we're facing storms, we're encountering difficulties in our lives. And today as we look at this passage in Mark chapter 4, I, I just want to kind of set the stage. Jesus had been teaching. He's at, at, at the Sea of Galilee and it says that there, the crowd was becoming so large that Jesus had to go out in the boat to teach because the crowd was pressing on every side. And so he goes out in the boat and begins teaching. And after teaching, it says that, that he tells his disciples, hey, we're going to go across to the other side. And a little, a little context here. The Sea of Galilee is where he's teaching. Uh, it's actually not a sea. It's crazy. Newsflash. It's actually a giant lake. The Sea of Galilee is actually a giant lake. It's situated in a valley surrounded by hills and mountains. And it's 700 feet below sea level. So here, here's what all that means. When you would get the right gust of wind and the right temperatures and the right conditions, a, a, a raging storm would not have been uncommon whatsoever on the Sea of Galilee. It, and so uh, storms on the Sea of Galilee were known for their suddenness and their violence. Does that sound familiar? 
And, and, and we can look at, at historical accounts and, and know that the, the waves on the Sea of Galilee could have reached heights of 10 to 12 feet. Come on, that's not a small wave in a lake. And so Jesus, the disciples, they're, they're here in the Sea of Galilee. The storm is raging. And interesting, the Sea of Galilee is actually mentioned over 50 times in the Gospels. It's mentioned over 50 times, and it's oftentimes the backdrop for Jesus teaching or Jesus doing miracles and, and things happening. And in all of those accounts, it's, it's, uh, it's rarely is the other side of the sea mentioned, okay? And in this account, Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side. He says, we're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They were actually on the western side, West Bank, huh? And they were going to the east side. I can't make it up. It's real, okay? So they were on the west side of the sea. Jesus says, hey, we're going to the east side of the sea. And he doesn't really say why. I, I think we could infer maybe it was because of the crowds, right? The crowds were pushing in. Maybe it was, it was time for a rest and a reset. Maybe Jesus knew there was ministry to do on the other side, which there was. And we see that the disciples, uh, the disciples hop in the boat and they're, they're ready to go to the other side. Now, watch this. Jesus actually sent them into the storm. Hello? He actually, it was Jesus' idea, y'all. Hey, we're going to go in. I, like, come on, you, you don't think Jesus knew the storm was coming? Work with me here. He sent them into the storm. He says, we're going we're gonna to go across to the other side. And the idea here is that in order for them to get to where they were going, they had to go through a storm. They had to go through the storm to get to the other side. And, and we read and, and we see that as the storm comes, Jesus is taking a power nap. I imagine that it might have been Sunday afternoon. That's just my personal nap time if the saints aren't playing. Hey, this, is, this shows me one thing that I think is very important. Naps are a holy moment, okay? Holy moment. Jesus has the cushion. Can I get an amen, somebody? He, had, he was prepared for the nap, y'all. He had his cushion. He's in the back, and the storm hits. Remember, the presence of Jesus does not guarantee the absence of storms. Have you ever felt like Jesus was sleeping while the storm was raging in your life? Come on. You were wondering, like, yo, God, don't you see what I'm, I'm going through? Like, wasn't one accident enough? Wasn't the first evacuation, second evacuation, third evacuation? Like, God, do you not see what I'm dealing with here? And, and the truth is we can feel like Jesus is asleep while the storm's raging in our lives. And this had to be some kind of storm. And the reason we can infer that is at least four of the disciples were fishermen, y'all. Like, they were used to being on the sea. They were used to fishing. How bad does the storm have to be for four fishermen to call on a carpenter for help? Pretty bad, right? And, and the truth is, we, we know about storms. We know about flooding. We know about wind and rain here in the greater New Orleans. We know all too well. And, and the storms that we're familiar with even have names, 
And, and the reality is that storms are a part of our life here in, in New Orleans. But there are other storms that we face that can hit us even harder. Come on. There are other storms that we have to walk through and deal with that can hit even harder than the actual physical storms. My question for you today is what kind of storm are you facing? What's the storm that you're facing in your life right now? Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with chronic sickness, chronic pain. Maybe you're dealing with an issue in your family, abuse or addiction. I don't know what your storm looks like, but I I do know this. God wants to walk with us in the storms. Come on. That that was better than the response. God wants to walk with us in the storms. Hello? And I also want to encourage you with this. Just because you're going through a storm doesn't mean that you've missed God's purpose. Think about this. The disciples are faithfully following Jesus. Hello? They are walking with God. And he's leading them into a storm. I just got to tell you today that there are things that God wants to do in your life that can only happen in the storm. There there are things that God wants to reveal about his character and his nature that he can only do in the midst of the storm. And so the disciples are, are in the center of God's will and the storm hits. Listen, if you're going through a storm right now, I want to encourage you with this passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 16. It says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Underline, exclamation mark, highlight. Do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. If you suffer as a Christian... Do not be ashamed. I just want to pause. I feel like so many times when, as Christ followers, when we're dealing with difficulty, we, we don't, we, we don't, we have trouble being transparent. Hello? Yeah. It says, don't be ashamed of the trial that you're going through. Watch. Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Can you praise God in the storm that you're walking through today? Come on, can you give God praise in the storm, in the situation, in the fiery trial, in the suffering that you're walking through? I just believe somebody might need to give God praise today in spite of the storm that you're walking through. Come on. It's easy to praise when things are going right. It's a whole lot easier to praise God when we're kind of on top of the mountain. But this passage teaches that we should be praising God in our trials. And then we see that the disciples wake up. uh, They wake up Jesus, and they scream out this question. It's kind of a question that's dripping with, with accusation. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus, don't you even care that we're about, our ship's about to sink? Come on, it sounds like a question that I've asked God at times. Jesus, don't you care about the damage that I'm dealing with from the storm? Jesus, don't you care that my marriage is filled with conflict and tension? Come on, Jesus, don't you care that I don't have enough money 
to pay my bills or to meet my deductible. Jesus, don't you care that I feel alone and broken and hurting right now? Come on. Jesus, don't you care that I want to give up? Don't you care? Don't you care that my loved one has died? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care, Jesus? So before we get too hard on the disciples, we have to kind of self-reflect on times that we've asked God questions like that. This morning, I, I just want to remind you that God's apparent inactivity, you can't confuse that with his lack of concern. How many of you know God's working sometimes in ways that we don't see? That even when it might not feel like anything's happening in our circumstance, God can be at work behind the scenes. Do you believe that this morning? I want to remind us today that we cannot allow the storms that we walk through to cause us to doubt the goodness and the love of God. I'm going to talk to this side because that was kind of a weak response. I want to remind you today that no matter what you're facing, no matter what difficulty, no matter what situation, that the enemy would like nothing more than to cause you to doubt God's goodness, than to cause you to doubt God's care and concern for you. We cannot confuse what, what seems like God's silence for a lack of concern. Come on, God loves you. He cares for you. He, he's working things out in spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstances. The interesting thing about storms is that they really, when we, when we look at storms that we encounter in our lives, they really present a unique opportunity. Now that's hard to frame things that way, right? We don't, we don't want to go through storms. We don't like to walk through trials. We don't like to walk through difficulties. But what I, what I want to encourage you with today is that storms represent an opportunity for us to grow, for God to do something new in our lives. So can, can, can you just write this down if you're taking notes? Storms aren't actually sent to destroy you. They're sent to develop you. Come on, if, if we look at our storms that we walk through in that light, it changes, it shifts our perspective. The, this storm, like, I'm not going to die in this storm. Thank God I didn't die in a basement in Wisconsin. That could have been the worst way to go. I'm not going to die in this storm. Like, God is doing something in me. I need you to get that in your heart today. That, look, things are tough. Like, things stink, okay? Things are bad, poopy, okay? They're bad. But God, I said it. I don't regret it. God is doing something. God is doing something in spite of these circumstances. The storm isn't meant to destroy you. It's meant to develop you. Here's three ways that storms can help us real quick. Storms can, number one, help us to deal with our fear. Isn't it interesting that Trials and difficulties can kind of bring to the surface the things that can kind of be hidden. The fears that are, are maybe beneath the surface. And after Jesus rebuked the storm, he turned to the disciples and he said, why are you so afraid? And that word afraid in this context means timid to the point of giving up. They thought all hope was lost. 
They thought they were going to die on the Sea of Galilee that day. And Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Don't give up. Like, yo, I'm still here. Things are, like, didn't you hear the teachings back on the shore? Haven't you seen the miracles that I've been doing? The second way that storms can help us, storms can help us grow our faith. Man, I just firmly believe this today, that there are lessons in the storm that we cannot learn otherwise. There are things that God wants to do in the storm that otherwise he cannot do. That that is the right atmosphere. The storm is the right environment for God to work something out in our hearts. Do you believe that today? I know we don't want to go through storms, but sometimes they actually are, are what we need to get to that next level in our faith. Storms can help grow our faith. And the last thing, storms help us increase our awe of Jesus. Look at how the disciples responded. They were awestruck. Come on, think about it. There is a furious squall. I don't use that word, but that must be serious. A furious squall, the Bible says, and Jesus steps up, rebukes the wind and the waves, and it says it's not just kind of calm. It says it's completely calm. How many of you know that's like a mind-blowing moment for the disciples? That's like a wow. And, and their response is, who is this? Right? They're like, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? So the storms can help us deal with our fear, grow in our faith, and develop a deeper sense of awe. How many of you think there's value in the storms? Maybe you're here today and, and you're not walking with Jesus yet. You haven't made that decision. And you feel like you're going through some stuff, some storms, and you kind of feel alone. And you might even be asking, does God even care about what I'm walking through? Does he even care? Does, does he even see? Does he even know? And I, I just want to tell you today that God sees, that he cares, and that he's waiting, watch this, for you to call out to him just like the disciples did in the boat. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety. Say all your anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So how does this all turn out? You're asking. Jesus stands up. He calms the storm. He actually, it says he rebukes the wind and the waves. And then we kind of see he rebukes the disciples too. He calms the wind and the waves. He says, peace be still. And then he asks the disciples two questions. First question why are you so afraid? Remember, that means, in other words, why are you, trying, why are you about to give up? Come on, so, some of you in the room today maybe feel like giving up. Can I be honest? There have been times in the last two years that I've felt like giving up. When we've started our, our church on the West Bank and then merged our church on the West Bank and then COVID hit and then we restarted. Then we restarted again this year because the Delta variant hit. And now we have all this storm damage. It, it feels like a lot of restarting, if I'm being honest. It feels like a lot of storms. And our tendency when times are tough is to say, scrap it. What's next? What, what else can we do? Come on. We, we got to keep walking. We got to keep going. When, when the difficulties arise, Jesus is asking, why are you afraid? Like, in other words, yo, I'm here. 
I'm with you. Like, you don't need to be afraid. And then the second question he asks is, do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Can I tell you that our faith is tested in the storms? And I've heard it said that a faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. Our faith is tested in the storms. You know what Jesus said to them before they got in the boat? He said, let's go over to the other side. How many of you know if Jesus said it, it is, it is true? He did not say, hey, let's get in the boat and drown in the middle of the sea. He didn't say that. And I don't think the disciples would have been so quick to hop in the boat if he had said that. He said, we are going to the other side. I just believe that there are people in this room that have a promise from God today that you've held on to. Something that God has has just spoken into your life that you feel like you know that God wants to do something. Come on, anybody feel like there's a promise from God? And it doesn't look like the promise is coming to pass. I just want to encourage you today, keep trusting. Keep holding on. Keep believing. Keep walking with him. Because guess what? Jesus can be trusted in the storms of our lives. Come on, do you believe that today, that we can trust in our Savior even when things don't look good, even when things don't feel good? Come on, if you're going to clap, do it. Come on, we can trust him in the storms. And if Jesus could conquer the wind and the waves, can I tell you today, he can conquer the storms in our lives. He can conquer the storms that we're dealing with. He didn't keep the disciples from the storm, but he went through it with them. Today, I just need you to remember, he hasn't promised us a storm-proof life. There's actually purpose in the storms. But he has promised to be with us in the storm. He hasn't guaranteed us a life free of storms. But what he does guarantee is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I love the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrased this in the message in Isaiah 43, verses 2 through 7. It says, when you're in over your head. Well, anybody felt like they've been in over their head? Okay, just me. All right, moving on. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. A guarantee of his presence. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. Come on, tell somebody next to you, you're not going down. You're not going to drown. You're not going to sink. You're not going to sink in the sea. He's going to keep you afloat. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God. Your personal God. And I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. Can you take heart today in these words from the book of Isaiah? See, the lesson of the storm is actually simple but very profound. Jesus doesn't promise us a smooth ride, but he promises that he's going to go with us for the ride. He doesn't say it's going to be all smooth sailing. Once you put your faith, your trust in me, 
everything's going to be easy. He doesn't say that, but what he does say is that I will be with you. How many of you know sometimes that's all that we need? That promise of his presence. And that, that day on the Sea of Galilee, the greatest danger wasn't the wind or the waves. It was the unbelief in the souls of the disciples. Come on. How many of you know that sometimes the, the biggest danger that we face isn't what's happening externally around us, but it's actually the internal battle inside of our souls. And he says, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Look, I want to encourage you, if, if you feel like you're walking through storms alone, I want to challenge you to plug in and be a part of a small group. Because we, 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 weren't, we weren't meant to go through difficulties alone. Ultimately, God is with us, and we need his presence first and foremost. But aren't you thankful for people on your left and your right that you can walk through storms together? And listen, Sometimes you're not in the storm, but your role is maybe just to encourage somebody else through their storm. As we close today, I, I just want you to notice what the disciples did to stay on mission and get to the other side. Can I tell you what they did? You ready? They stayed in the boat. They just stayed in the boat. They knew that Jesus had something for them on the other side, that the storm was raging, the winds were crashing, but they stayed in the boat. When the waves looked like they were going to overcome the boat, they stayed in the boat. When they didn't feel like they could keep going, they stayed in the boat. When it didn't seem like there was going to be enough money to, to meet your needs, just stay in the boat. Come on. When it feels like all hope is lost, can you just stay in the boat? Can I tell you who's in the boat? Jesus is in the boat. We've got to stay in the boat. When we, we don't know if we can face what tomorrow holds, we just got to stay in the boat. When we're feeling overwhelmed by fear and anxiety and depression, we've got to stay in the boat. When it seems like all hope is lost, we've got to stay in the boat. Can I, can I just tell you today, he is powerful and he is with you. Come on. He is powerful and he is with you. I'd rather be in the boat with the storm raging with Jesus than outside of the boat with a complete calm. Come on. I'd rather be in the boat with Jesus even when it doesn't feel like we're going to make it to the other side. we got to stay in the boat. Can I tell you today, you're not going to sink. You're going to make it to the other side. The sun's going to shine again. Come on, how many of you know storms don't last forever? Storms don't last forever. He, he's walking with you. He promises his presence. And the same power that calmed the wind and the waves, he can calm the storms in our lives. Amen.